thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We're so glad you're joining us today for Jesus the Healer. Listen, I'm believing God that you're going to hear answers for your life. I tell you what, thank God for the light of the word, right? We have a studio audience here, and so we're glad they're with us, but we're also glad you're with us. So expect to hear answers today. And as I say this, as I preach in these, in these episodes, release your faith. I mean, I know you're sitting there in a comfortable setting possibly, but I tell you what, get your faith stirred up and attach your faith to this word because that's when it will start having an effect in your life. Amen. We have been teaching on the subject about the mind and uh, we are so glad to be able to teach along this line because I tell you what, victory belongs to us in every arena and that includes in the mental arena as well. Amen. We've been taking as our golden text, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul was writing to Timothy and he was giving him his answer. And this is what he said to Timothy. He said, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So we see this, that this power is an exercise of authority as well. Amen. It belongs to us that we can take authority uh, against that spirit of fear. Notice this also that love belongs to us, the love of God that's on the inside of us. The Bible tells us that perfect love or perfected love, that it'll cast out fear. And then it also says a sound mind. And so we see this, that part of our inheritance is a sound mind. Right. Amen. Jesus paid the price so that we could have a sound mind, not a harassed mind, not a tormented mind, not a troubled mind, not a wavering mind. Amen. Amen. And I would say this to you before we go any further really in the teaching is don't put up with an ounce of fear about anything, about anything. Uh, don't allow a fear of a fear of driving, a fear of leaving the house, a fear of being left alone, a fear of flying, fear of sickness. Don't allow an ounce of fear in your life. Take a stand against it. Use your authority. Listen, uh, fear is a spirit, and it's a spirit that we have total and complete authority over. Amen. But we have to use our authority. And we have to realize this is that we can live the rest of our days without fear. Amen. Amen. No depression, no worry, no panic attacks, no anxiety. This is not the future of the believer that will take their stand on the word. Amen. Amen. And so this shows us, the Amplified Translation shows us 
the kind of mind that God authored for us. The King James Version says, of course, a sound mind, but the Amplified says that a sound mind is a calm mind, a well-balanced disciplined and controlled. So that shows us that we have a part to play in this sound mind. Amen. That we discipline our thought life. We control what we allow in to our thoughts. Amen. And uh, I want us to turn, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. This is such a critical uh, piece of instruction for us so that we can walk in the sound mind that belongs to us. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll start reading in verse 3. Paul again was writing and he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Then it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, notice this phrase, pulling down of strongholds. Many people misunderstand and misapply what, is, what Paul is talking about here and what he's calling strongholds. He tells us in the next sentence what strongholds can be. Casting down imaginations. So what can a stronghold be? An imagination. Mm -hmm. Casting down imaginations. Casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So that's what strongholds are that Paul's talking about. It's things to do with the mind, things to do with the thought life, things to do with what the enemy will bring against your thought life or what he'll suggest to your mind. And if you let those wrong thoughts in, those wrong imaginations in, then they can trouble your life. Mm -hmm. And they can become a stronghold, a point where the enemy can have a stronghold over your life is through wrong thinking. And this is what he's talking about, that we cast down imaginations. Listen, God gave you your imagination. Your imagination is not wrong. Use it for the right things. Imagine yourself healed. Imagine yourself pain-free. Imagine all the things, the blessings of God showing up in the arenas of your life. Put your thoughts on that. But here he says, casting down imaginations in every high thing, which imaginations, with which high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So uh, imaginations that are in line with the will of God, you can, you're okay with those. Those are not strongholds that the enemy works through. But anything that's against the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of his word, couldn't we say it that way? And notice this. He goes on and says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if a thought is not in obedience to the word, obedience to Christ, it's worthy of one thing, casting it down. Amen. Amen. Bringing it into captivity. Now, if you bring something into captivity, what's that mean? It's got restrictions on it. So when a thought comes and you're not certain, where did this thought come from? Bring it into captivity, mm -hmm. meaning this, don't let it loose in your life. Test that thought. Mm -hmm. And if it's in line with the word, then you're free to take it. Mm -hmm. If it's not in line with the word, you don't let it in. Amen. Amen. That means hold a thought captive until you're certain of its source. Mm -hmm. Don't just assume that something is from God. Mm -hmm. Test it. Well, how do you test it? With the word. What does the word say about that? So it's saying don't let a thought loose um, until you know its source, hold it captive. And then once you recognize that it's not from God, you do not let it run loose. It is bound 
from entering your thought life. Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, he's talking about dealing with our thought life because this is the strongholds that the enemy operates through is wrong ways of thinking. Now know, know this, the enemy cannot operate through right thinking. He can only operate through wrong thinking. That's why he's trying to inject wrong thoughts into your thought life. But you have something to do about it. Uh, it, you, you can't just sit back and wait for God to do something about those thoughts. Why? Because he authorized you. Remember what we read over in Timothy? Paul said, God has given us what? Authority, power. So he's given us the authority to deal with it because then we don't have to wait on heaven's action. We're authorized by heaven that the moment a wrong thought, a wrong imagination shows up. Let me tell you this and, and deal with it. Let me tell you this. Um, Cast down imaginations that imagine the worst. Have you ever uh, had a thought suggested to you and you imagine if this happened and that happened? Really, worry is just imaginations, right? That of things that have not yet happened. You're imagining the worst and it becomes a worry. The Word has something to say about those imaginations. You cast them down. Amen. Amen. We must discipline ourselves to only think or only accept thoughts that are in line with the word. I've preached this to our congregation at times, and so they, they seem to like this illustration. It drives it home. So uh, I, I, it's a personal story that happened. Um, <laughs> it'll help you remember what it means about casting down. How about that? When it says casting down imaginations, notice how aggressive that phrase is, cast down. It doesn't just say, you know, uh, tell it no. It says cast it down. You want to cast it down in such a way that it doesn't rise back up, yes. right? So here's an illustration. <laughs> my dad, you've heard me talk about uh, my family a little bit. My dad was a cotton and wheat farmer in southwest Oklahoma all my life. And uh, on his farm, he had some, he had some water. He had, uh, he had a creek that ran through. He had, there was a, a larger section of water that was on some of his property. And so we would go out and we'd go catfishing, you know. We'd go get us some catfish and mother would always fry it up. And so one day we were going to go fishing. And this was kind of rare. We didn't have that much opportunity too much, but we were all grown. So daddy wasn't, he wasn't farming all by himself full time. So now he had some time to go fishing with us. So we went out there. I think it was my mom, my sister, me, maybe a couple other friends and dad. And uh, we went down to where the water was. And there was a boat, you know, that was by the side, just a little paddle boat, a rowboat. And he flipped it over because it was turned upside down, you know, on the side of the water. And he flipped it over and we all got in and we got out to the middle of that water. And my sister said something. She said, now see, at the, there was ends of it and it had just a, what do you call it? Maybe plank seating to where it went from side to side. And so it was up at the ends either end and then through the middle of the boat, there was seating. And we were all kind of dispersed on that sitting. And my sister said, I think I saw something moving at the bottom. And so she, and then right when she said that, we saw a big rat run across. Now see, you don't want to be in a boat with a rat and in the middle of the water, you know, you're not by the bank. Well, we realized that what had happened, daddy had that boat turned upside down 
And so when he flipped it, that rat was evidently under one of those seats and just flipped it into the inside of the boat. So it, that, that, that rat didn't jump in from the water. He came in with us from the dry ground. And so anyway, so of course, all of us ladies, you know, all the feet go up. That's exactly what we're doing. And, you know, we got our feet up in midair, you know, acting like that thing going to chew off our legs or something. But we're not going to have our feet down there. And I will say this, my family is not highly overwrought or emotional, so there wasn't too much commotion, but we just decided we're going to go back to the side, we're going to dump this rat, and then we're going to come back and do our fishing. We're not going to finish our fishing with the rat. <laughs> and so the thing is, is that we didn't want to sit there and that thing, you know, possibly run around our feet. So daddy, a farmer's always ready. I tell you, a farmer can take anything and make it work. It's, they're never without a, a, a solution. And so daddy always carried a big old pocket knife. And listen, if you're, um, if you're a farmer, you always got a pocket knife because you don't know what's going to break down and that knife's going to fix it. And so daddy pulls out this pocket knife out of, out of his pocket. And that rat had run up to the front of the boat and it came to a point and then there was a bench over that so you couldn't even see. You know, it was dark up in there and you couldn't, it was limited access. So daddy couldn't see to see where he was at. So daddy just takes that knife and starts just <laughs> jabbing. <laughs> and starts just jabbing up. I love this. I this is a great time. <laughs> when you, listen, when you're raised in a smaller community, these are high, highlight points for your life. And so daddy's just jabbing with that knife until he feels that he got something. And so he just holds it right there. And so us girls, we're paddling. We get us back to the thing. And daddy pulls it out and he had got that, that rat in the, you know, just in the hind leg with that. So daddy just picked that rat up, hung it by its tail. <laughs> Held it by its tail and there's a big rock there on the, on the land. Listen, this is what rats deserve. And so you, if you're going to jump in the boat, this is what's going to happen. You didn't pay your fare, and so you're going to pay now. And so, Daddy, I'll leave out all the details, but let me just say this. Daddy took that rat, and he cast that thing down. He didn't just let it go. He cast it down on a rock. And he went, Bam! <laughs> on a rock. Why? Are we dealing with it. We're going to handle this. Yeah. This, is the, this is what I think of when it says casting down imaginations. Yeah. You don't treat them kindly. No. You don't treat them warmly. I mean, you go after that thing. That's not riding in, that's not riding in the boat of my life. Yeah. Amen. You take that and you cast that down. Yeah. And so for anybody who has a rat as a pet, God bless you. But <laughs> that's our story, you know. And so I, you, do what, do, you do you, but that's, that's what happened with that one. So any Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I can't, I can't ever think of this, this scripture and that picture of what it looks like to cast down. You're aggressive. Yeah. You're aggressive. If you're going to, if you're just going to be casual toward wrong thoughts, they will mistreat you. They will mishandle you. But if you will be aggressive and bold about that, and that's what it, Paul is talking about, casting down imaginations. Why? So they don't get back up and trouble your life. And they don't just live with you and follow you through life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As we've said and we've talked about it before, the mind is Satan's battleground. And I guarantee you, you're going to hear him talk. 
You are not going to be able to be in this world and get away from Satan. He's present, but he's not your Lord. But he doesn't have any authority over you. He's not, he doesn't have any dominion over you. So don't be concerned about someone who has no dominion over you just because they're present. Just because they're present doesn't give them dominion. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to hear the threats of the enemy. You're going to hear the suggestions of the enemy. Don't be frightened by what you hear. Listen, uh, we, we, can, we, we can look back at King David's life as a young boy. He started out as a shepherd boy. He was keeping the father's sheep, his father's sheep. And um, as he grew a little bit older, of course, the prophet came and anointed him to be king. And uh, when the prophet came to anoint him to be king, he was out in the field doing his job. After he was anointed to be king, he, of course, was just still in training. And uh, he was anointed for it, but he wasn't, he hadn't yet ascended to that place. And so here he was at home with his dad. His brothers were off at war, and his dad gives him an assignment. And he says, I want you to go check on your brother, see how they're doing, take them some food, see how they're doing, come back and give me a report about how the war's going. Well, of course, he walks up just in time to see Goliath and hear Goliath come out and start taunting God's armies and uh, making mockery of them. And the Israeli or the Hebrew soldiers, they're, they're hiding. Why? Because the sounds Goliath is making has frightened them. The words he's saying is frightening them, and they're hiding. They're not dealing with him. They're not confronting him. Why? Because he's so large that they're looking at him, and they're intimidated by what they see. Well, David is a, is a teenager, around 16 to 18, somewhere around in there. He's certainly not big enough in size, but the thing is is that he said, I'll fight him. Why? David had learned as a shepherd boy what to do with sounds he heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember when he, went, when he went and told King Saul, he says, I'll fight him. And they said, but you're but a youth. He said, a lion came to take, the, to take a lamb of my father. A, a bear came. I went and I grabbed that bear by the beard and I took that, that sheep out of his mouth. So we're not talking about they're at a distance. He's in proximity. He's face to face with that thing. Now, you know he heard the lion and the bear before he saw him. But he didn't run when he heard the lion and the bear. He stood his ground. And so therefore, he used his weaponry and he became skillful in the face of opposition. His opposition at that time was a lion and a bear. See, because he had learned not to be frightened at the sounds he heard. When Goliath came out and talking, it's just just another sound he was hearing. He had learned, I don't care what sounds you make, I have a covenant. Amen. And so you're going to hear the enemy talk. Learn to be unfrightened at the sounds. Because life is going to have all kinds of sounds. The enemy is going to throw all kinds of sounds your direction. It doesn't matter what sounds you hear. You have a covenant with God. You have authority over the sounds that are made from hurting you. Amen. You cannot stop the devil from making sounds, but you can certainly decide to be unfrightened and unintimidated or unawed 
by the sounds that are going to come against you in life. Amen. Amen. Sounds can't hurt you when you remember your authority and use it. Amen. Amen. Not only that, in a test, there may come pressure against the mind. The body and the mind may feel some things. Be just as unintimidated by what you feel as by what you hear. Amen. It doesn't matter that the mind feels the pressure of words spoken. You're still authorized to not receive those words. Amen. You don't have to let those words in. Amen. Hallelujah. Just use your authority. Do you know that really uh, David, he just didn't run in the face of what came against him. So when a big test came, he knew how to stand his ground. Take everyday circumstances and stand your ground over things that are not life and death, over things that are not huge. Become skillful with your your authority. Become skillful with your with the word in the face of that. Why? Because then you'll under you'll have skill in place that when something of a greater test comes, you know exactly what to do because you knew how to stand your ground in the face of something that wasn't life threatening. Amen. 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 Practice your faith. Practice the use of your authority. Practice answering thoughts. Practice it. Practice casting down thoughts. Practice bringing every thought into captivity. Before it becomes a tormenting thought, just little thoughts, just things that really don't matter in the scope of life, but you know that they're not going to advance you spiritually. Practice casting those down, bringing those into captivity. Then when greater ones come that seem to have bite to them, seem to have teeth in it, so to speak, you're, un- you're unimpressed because you've got skill at what it means to guard your peace, to guard that sound mind. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember my husband and I hadn't been married too long. Uh, we got married. I was 22 years old at the time, and we'd only been married a couple of years, so I was maybe 24 or so. And, you know, uh, I wasn't raised hearing some of the things I'm teaching you. And so I was a baby Christian. I mean, there was, my mind was not very far in the renewing process. And we went on an overseas trip. And I tell you what, the devil take advantage of what you don't know, right? Right? Uh, that's why you always want to have a local church because there's people in there that help fill in the gaps of what you don't know. They'll agree with you in prayer. They'll encourage you as you're, as you're facing different tests. Um, but I was uh, traveling with my husband to this overseas country and I was so looking forward to it. But as soon as we got over to that, to that country, there came a troubling thought and I, did not, I didn't know what I'm teaching to you today. I didn't know about casting down imaginations. I didn't understand my authority over fear. I didn't understand um, bringing every thought into captivity. And so there was the enemy suggested, and I was trying to, in thinking back, I was trying to think that what he suggested was that something was wrong with my body. Well, I didn't have any pain. I didn't have any symptoms. But you know what? When fear's talking, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't have to make sense right? And so what happened, um, the enemy was just threatening, suggesting that something was wrong with my body. And I remember thinking, well, how do I say no to this? Because I don't know if what he's suggesting is true. So I didn't know how to stand my ground. Well, and so because I didn't, I took that thought and I 
turned it over in my mind. And what did that thought do? It drew me into the mental arena, away from my heart, away from the spirit arena where my faith is. It drew me away from the faith arena. And so anyway, so I was turning this thought over and over and over. What I should have done, it was fear that was suggesting something was wrong with my body. There wasn't anything wrong with my body. See, the devil wants you to, to, to not label things correctly so that you'll start quoting healing scriptures. Well, if there's not something wrong with your body, that's fear talking to you. It's not, it's not that you need healing. You need to run that fear out that is suggesting fearful thoughts about your body. And I didn't know that, you see. So that fear just got an entrance because I didn't understand the things I'm talking to you about. I was scheduled. I had just started really preaching some. And I was scheduled to preach that, a Sunday morning service. And man, I was struggling. I tell you what, I was, I'm talking about in that mental arena. I was just being bombarded. So while the praise and worship service was going on, I look and this all happened by the word of knowledge for me. This is how this will happen for me. And, and Jesus was coming up one of the side aisles. He came up the side aisle and came and stood right by me. And I thought, all right, he's come to handle this. He's going to take care of this. The devil's done pushing me around. I mean, I was thrilled Jesus showed up. And Jesus showed up, came and stood by me and said to me, where's your faith? And I was stunned. I thought he's going to deal with the devil and he's dealing with me. What's up with that? See, I didn't understand. And I, I, I just stood there baffled because I thought, aren't you going to do something about this? And he said, where is your faith? So he said, as a sign that I have spoken to you, he said, you call for those that need healing and I'll heal them. So they turned the service over to me. I called for those that need healing, laid hands on them, and they were healed. And I'm thinking, when he said, call for those that need healing and I'll heal them, I'm th thinking, well, what about me? <laughs> I mean, thank God you want to bless them, but what about me? <laughs> See, he expected me to not be drawn away from my faith. That's what wrong thoughts will do. It'll draw you away from your faith. And he said, where's your faith? It draws you out of your faith into that mental arena. This is one reason why you have to cast down imaginations because if those imaginations are left unguarded, it'll draw you out of the arena of your faith. And when you get out of faith, the devil has the high hand that he's going to operate over your life. Amen. Not because he has dominion, but because you opened the door to him by taking his thoughts. Amen. And by not exercising your authority. Well, there's... You don't want to miss the next episode because we're going to go further talking about this. And when Jesus came and talked to me, uh, there's more to learn. But we've been teaching to we've been teaching out of this book, a sound disciplined mind. We want you to get hold of your copy. You can go to our website at deframeministries.org. Let us know that you want your copy, and we'll get it right out to you. Because I tell you what, you don't get these things with one hearing. Full faith never comes with one hearing. We have to hear over and over and over again. And this will help you do that. Amen. And until we see you next time, always remember Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. Please join us for our Dufresne Ministries Miracle Crusade in Georgetown, Texas at Church on the Rock, September 4th, 
through the 8th. Come expecting your miracle. For more information, visit our website at defrainministries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.